2: No, it is not Michael Savage. It is Brenda and Beamer live with you for one more hour. It'll shake up your Bloody Mary on a Sunday morning,
3: Joe. <laughs> that sure will. That sure will. <laughs> Little air guitar by Beamer.
2: Oh, that's right. I was going to throw the headphones off, but I forgot there's other people around. You know, we don't want to scare the, the people over at KB. So
3: <laughs> speaking
2: of KB, real quick, Brenda, you have a show Saturday I do. mornings.
3: That's the rumor. Yeah. Every uh, Saturday morning at nine o'clock, I host a show called Slice of Life. And uh, it's a lifestyle show, as the name indicates. It used to be a food show called Brenda's Bites. A bite was not enough, Joe. So now we made it a slice of life. And I actually uh, interviewed people from all walks of life. As a matter of fact, yesterday, I hit on uh, the folks from the chocolate bar previewing the upcoming Taste of Buffalo, which is July 13th and 14th. And then we did a 180, and I interviewed a woman who was a breast care nurse and geneticist. So we can talk about light things, serious things. Um, I really enjoy doing the show and invite you to tune in every Saturday at 9 a.m. on ESPN 1520. All of the shows are archived as well at ESPN1520.com.
2: Or on the Radio.com app.
3: Absolutely. Which
2: is always nice to have because as a Mets fan, I get my pregame on the Radio.com app while I'm driving home trying to make that first pitch. I don't know why because they always let me down.
3: (laughs) Well, you know, with Entercom being in 48 of the top 50 markets around the country because we're with CBS now, you can listen to virtually any station around the country. So I love kind of popping around listening to other stuff around the country.
2: And there is a station in Boston, 106.7. Their HD2 is year-round Christmas music.
3: Oh, my goodness. That is on
2: my favorites on the app. I don't I'm, think I
3: could take I'm that. I'm just
2: letting you know, hey, know, an idea for Star? That'd be nice to have, oh, HD2. Joe, I
3: don't know, Joe. I'd need another Bloody Mary if it was full-time Christmas. Non- I love Christmas music, but only around Christmas. But it's nice
2: to use those HD, uh, HD2 hd stations. Yeah,
3: for other things. So, yeah. <laughs> I can appreciate that, <laughs> but not Christmas music. But you
2: know, but that's that's the options you get on the app. And by the way, Intercom does have 16 MLB teams contracts. Yes, just, just saying, just saying. Uh, We are not talking MLB, even though Brenda and I do have baseball on in the studio. We're talking North Korea. The president was there today. Yes, in North Korea, President Trump becoming the first president. This is getting a lot of reaction. It's like no one wants to talk to debate. Except for Kevin and Pendleton does want does want to talk? We're the open to
3: that, sure. Yes, we are.
2: The debate was going to be initially what we were going to talk about, um, but it's very interesting. The um, the president, like I said, Brenda, I woke up this morning. I had no idea that was even in the cards. I come to work and all the TVs in the newsroom are wa- are showing the president walking over the line, shaking the uh, uh, the. Um, what's he want to be called? Chairman? Chairman Kim. Yes. Yes. I was going to say Dictator Kim, but I think
3: think you're more accurate. (laughs) Yeah, there was a lot of speculation about it last night about whether it would actually happen. And sure enough, with the time change we found out when we woke up this morning uh, separately, Joe and I were not sleeping together, by the way. (laughs) But you know who got the worst of it was poor Stephanie Grisham. Stephanie Grisham is a name you'll be hearing about uh, quite a bit in the months to come. She replaced Sarah Sanders as White House press secretary. She was Melania Trump's press secretary. And now she's doing both uh, for the president and the first lady. So she was in North Korea and she got pretty roughed up, Joe, uh, over the past several hours. She suffered bruises uh, when a scuffle broke out Sunday between North Korea security guards and members of the media who were trying to get close to uh, President Trump and uh, Kim Jong-un as they shook hands at the DMZ. So Uh, Not an easy uh, day for Stephanie Grisham. Welcome to the real world, I guess, here in North Korea.
2: Yeah, totally. Um, Let's, before we take calls, Brenda, for those just joining us, we know there's a lot of people getting out of church, uh, let's set the scene. Here's a one-minute wrap of what you may have missed, the president in uh, North Korea, and then Tony, Bob, and Kevin, we're going to take those calls, and Brenda and I will talk some more. But first, here's a minute wrap on what you might have missed, so you know what we're talking about. Oh, and Joe, if you could press the right button.
4: (laughs) History made today on the Korean Peninsula.
2: President Trump has just walked across the demarcation line that made him the first U.S. president to visit our country.
4: North Korean President Kim Jong-un speaking through a translator at the border between North and South Korea. ABC's Karen Travers has
2: more. President Trump stepping across the line into North Korea, the first U.S. president to ever do that. He shared a warm greeting with Kim Jong-un, the two men shaking hands, chatting, even sharing a laugh. It
0: was an honor that you asked me to step over that line and I was proud to step over the line. I thought you might do that. I wasn't sure.
2: Through a translator, Kim said that moment was an expression of President Trump's willingness to open up a new future with his country. Karen Travers, ABC News, traveling with the President in South Korea. The DMZ was established as a
4: buffer between the two Koreas at the end of the Korean War 66 years ago mona rivera abc news
2: and now you're up to date so with that in mind brenda let's take some calls let's do it joe let's start with bob in buffalo he's been hanging on a long time bob thanks for your patience the floor is yours
0: well, thank you very much uh, just a couple of points uh how long ago was it that it was said trump is going to kill us and today he's stepping into north korea just uh, amazing on how things can change in such a short period of time but When I watched the debates, a couple of things had really struck me. I watched uh, Senator Gillibrand, who represents us, uh, invoke the name of God. God forbid that we stop abortion. I didn't know that God was into killing uh, children. But uh, 30 years ago, that would have been obscene. But today, it just seems to be part of the norm. And then I watched them talk about climate change, and I'm wondering, don't they realize we just came out of an ice age just, what, 15,000 years ago? Are they trying to put us back into an ice age? But then again, nobody really teaches history anymore, do they? And then I was watching the bodies being pulled out of the river this week, and I was thinking on how uh, some of the state governments are saying, go ahead, break the law, cross the river. If you live, come, we'll give you some ID And if you don't, somebody will just sell your identity so that they can assume your identity later on. And just how crazy things have truly gotten in all of this. And one last point, when they talk about how expensive drugs have gone, how many times you see commercials on TV saying, uh, have you been hurt? Come join this class action lawsuit. We'll get you some money. You deserve it. And you wonder why we're paying through the nose and everything. Thank you very much. God bless. Have a good Sunday.
2: Bob, thank you so much.
3: You know, Joe, not to get off topic here, but I think that there, there have been so many frivolous lawsuits when it comes to insurance claims that it, as a result, hurts the people who are legitimately hurt. And uh, it's very difficult to be able to justify that. And yet the, the bar has been raised. So for folks who have been le- legitimately injured, it's very difficult to prove that. Why? Because of all the fraud. It's a shame that it comes back on the people who deserve it. It's all, you know, like that one bad apple.
2: Well, yeah, you said, you know, the fraud makes us have to pay more. Right. And people shoplifting makes $20 jeans, $65. Bingo. So, and yes, they are only $20 jeans. 803-0930. Since Bob brought up the debate, let's stay on topic and go to Kevin in Pendleton. Kevin, good morning.
5: Hey, good morning, Brenda. Good morning, Joe. Happy, good morning. Happy Independence in advance to you, good folks. Yeah. Um, just I'll uh, touch on a little bit on President Trump within, you know, the North Korea, the Korea DMZ zone. I I don't see any strategic advantage or anything. I think Kim is playing everybody. He's playing Trump. He's playing Putin, and he's playing the Chinese. And that's what he's doing. He's playing everybody. He's a player, after all. Dennis as is his buddy, right? <laughs> anyway, look. Um. In relation to the debate, I don't know if you guys caught this. You know the fix is in, right? How so? The, well, I'll tell you how. Okay. You see, um, Joe Biden, from the, the day after he announced, and I look at him, he went on The View, he looked as though he didn't know what day of the week it was, and he had this little um, little piece of paper or cue or, or card there to keep himself on point. The Democrats know that Joe Biden is not, the kind of candidate they want. He's not a strong candidate. Even when he ran for president a hundred times he ran, he was always a single-digit guy. So they know this. So here's, here's how the fix is in. That picture with Kamala Harris, remember, that surfaced hours before the debate or a day or so before the debate, right? And the moderators allowed her to come in and take him out, right? You see, they, um, they wanted to break the glass ceiling, and get the first woman president, and they weren't successful. So here's what they do. They up the notch a bit now. Get another woman, but this time get a black woman.
3: So, Kevin, you think this was, this was all orchestrated? Oh, yeah. Oh, well, it's definitely so. Because, um, yeah, I mean, look at this picture. Why was it, you know, this picture with her when she
5: was being bust, and maybe I need to research it a little more, but I, I don't think, um, I don't know, don't know when... The busing situation was happening. If she was old enough then to be affected by it, but maybe she was. But here's what's happening here, right? They decided that listen, Kamala Harris is their person. She she carries she's in California. It carries a lot of the a, a lot more electoral um, you know um you know um electoral votes and so on, right? Um, but on top of that, they, don't, they they wanted to get another woman and a black woman too. The problem is. If, if the Republicans know how to market this, get the angry black woman. <laughs>
3: yes. Well, just to clarify, too, she's not African-American. Her father was Jamaican and her mother was East Indian, so her ethnic makeup is... Uh Probably not something a lot of people are aware of. Is she a woman of color? Absolutely. But but she's much younger than Joe Biden and a federal prosecutor, and you could see that. I thought thought her legal training really came out, Kevin, when she was on that stage. She knew how to handle herself, and she knew how to ask him a pointed question, and he seemed ill-equipped to handle anything on that debate. He
2: seemed like he didn't expect that question to even be thrown at him. And, you know, they talk about debate prep, right? That's what we heard in 2016, how— President Trump had no debate prep. He would just go in there and say, wrong, and and all that stuff. Joe Biden, how did you not know that question was going to be thrown at you? He looked so unprepared for not only the attacks, but for some of the questions and here's a guy that's his whole life has been in politics. He's been involved in debates before, not only the VP debates when he ran in 87 before he decided to plagiarize and lie about his t- college transcripts. So, I mean, here's a guy who you would think after all he has seen, he would not be surprised when Kamala Harris threw the busing question or by some of the questions thrown at him. And definitely not a guy who would just concede to the clock. But, Kevin, uh, I'll bring you back in.
5: And the media, by the way, the media is playing their part to get Kamala Harris as the nominee. I'll tell you why, too, okay? the, the fact, with, with how they allowed her to, you know, interject, poor Christian, don't stand a chance to LeBron. She tried and she couldn't get in, right? And remember, Kamala Harris played the race card, too, because she said if anyone's talking about, um, you know, justice and and, and and the race issue, as the only common person on the stage, you see what I'm saying?
3: So... They all shut up. because You see what I'm saying? Well, but she was uniquely positioned in that way, Kevin, right? I mean, she was the only person of color, female of color up there.
5: Yeah, well, she, who, who else was a female female of color? No one else.
3: That's what I'm saying.
5: Right. So she played, yeah. So, all right, she uses, she uses her old bandage. But one more thing I want to add there. The media is very much in favor with the Democrats and making her the front runner. And I'll tell you why. The New York Times, we know the New York Times ain't no great lover of, of Trump or the Republicans, right? And the fact that the New York Times run that story about Biden and his son and, and, and you know, and, and all their dealings and stuff and abusing the, the office of the vice president for their, you know, for, for their own profits in Eastern Europe, right? And also um, the New York Times and a couple of the other media houses, yeah, maybe they wanted to get it out of the way, but I think that that's their way too of making him wounded in this fight right now. So, again, I could be wrong, but from what I see here, the fix is in. Just like with Bernie, last election, where they all fixed it for Hillary, the fix is in to let Kamala Harris get it. Definitely
2: so. Well, Kevin, I don't disagree with you, but did you catch Savannah Guthrie after the first debate she was interviewing Beto or Robert O'Rourke? And she said, what do you say to your supporters like me, I mean, people who want to see you do well and see a competitive uh, race. Did you catch that? Uh,
5: yeah, well, I don't quite remember, but I did kind of uh, saw it. But, um, yeah, but what, what,
2: what about that, uh, that interview? What stood out for you? Just the fact that she said uh, supporters like me. She slipped and admitted that she was a beta work supporter on national television. This is a woman who's supposed to be, I mean, she's the face of the Today Show. She's supposed to be, you know, non, uh, but I guess that's not the case anymore because Stephanopoulos hosts Good Morning America, so.
5: Yeah, well, you know what? There's old biblical saying. There's not what goes into a man or woman, as a case may be, that defies them, but what comes out. And therefore, when they, when they have the slip of the tongue, you know, that really shows them where their hearts are, where their minds are, where their ideologies are. You know, so that's what I'm saying. The, 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 the media, the mainstream media, or we call it a drive-by media, there's definitely a working arm of the Democratic Party. No two ways about it.
2: You know? Oh, for sure. And, you know, I think Savannah's the only one who didn't get the memo that <laughs> Beto didn't have a great showing. And I think you're right that the new uh, media darling, just like in 08 with uh, Barack Obama, is right now Kamala Harris. That's right, man. That's right.
3: So you watch out, man. You know, the fix is in. Well, we'll see what happens next month in Cleveland, uh, Kevin, when the debates continue at the end of July. I think it's too early to make that pronouncement. By the way, Joe, did Savannah ask uh, Beto that in Spanish or English? That was an English <laughs> ah, okay.
2: post-debate question. You know what? Someone who's going to probably address what I just said. We have three minutes, but we have time to get him on. Tony and Clarence. Tony, good morning.
3: Hey, Tony.
4: Uh, Yeah, first of all, I wish the President and Kim would have danced over the line. It would have been nice to see. They could have hugged each other, too, because don't forget the President says he has love letters all the time with this man. You know that North Korea is not going to give up anything, period. End of story. Secondly, nobody's talking about what is the deal that the President made with China to keep the talks going on trade. He's now going to allow this company called Quan. I think you've heard of it right uh, over there, You've heard of this company that, yes. that 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 was rejected by the United States Congress. Well, guess what? He just issued a statement that will allow the company to do business in the United States and steal our secrets even more. I don't. This whole trip was a disaster from the beginning to the end, and he's got nothing for it to show for it except giving away something that even a Republican senator says was a terrible thing to do. uh, 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 On Chuck Todd's show, uh, Senator Barrasso said that he should never have given away this idea of bringing in this company into the United States after they
3: said it should be kept out.
4: This is incredible.
2: All right, I, I'm not seeing that one, Tony, so you're throwing new information at me.
3: Tony, what about the idea that uh, he, if you can, uh, you know, endear yourself to your enemy, it makes things easier for any potential discussion? What about that theory?
4: Oh, yes, absolutely. Why don't we... By the way, Joe, when you were talking... Uh, uh, John from Rochester. John from Rochester forgot to tell you that there's no bank in New York City that will lend a single penny to the to the Trump admin, uh, Trump businesses except Deutsche Bank, and they're under investigation, just like this
2: president. He and that was an unfounded story, just like the North Korean people had been executed.
3: Well, let's face the fact though that Trump has had multiple bankruptcies.
2: So has any business owner.
4: So far, six banks. Bankrupt- and you know what Trump did to hurt the, United, the Western New York area? He bribed the New York State Legislature in the early seven, late seventies to prevent us from having a casino in Niagara Falls, and he paid a five hundred thousand dollar fine for it.
2: So Well, Tony, I mean to be fair, in the nineties, our own mayor prevented us from having a casino downtown, so that didn't really help Western New York either.
4: A mayor mayor has nothing to
2: do with the ability to put... He put a lot, yes, there was a lot of red tape. That casino that's downtown now was supposed to be a hotel. It didn't happen because of the local government in the city of Buffalo, not because of Donald Trump.
4: The only way casinos got into this area was through the Seneca
2: Indian Nation. Yes, and they put red tape on the Senecas getting that land. Well, they could put whatever they want, but... Okay, so so Trump did the same thing that the city government in Buffalo did. I don't know what... Didn't seem like a big problem with you then. Excuse me, I can't understand your question. Go on, you were going to talk about Korea?
4: I said that North Korea will never, ever give up their nuclear arms. You can can put all the love letters together and
2: throw them into Lake Erie. They don't mean a darn thing. Well, Tony, I thought Mexico was never going to work with the Trump administration. Trump was never going to get jobs back into America. I mean, you're 0 for 2.
4: Wait a second. You're saying that we got jobs back in America? We do. Name one of them that we haven't lost. Tell me what company came to the United States that was overseas.
2: Uh, well, I'm, I'm not talking overseas, but with Mexico, we have Carrier brought jobs back. Ford brought jobs back.
4: You know what, Joe? You don't like what I say, but that's okay, because a lot of what you say is nothing but bull.
2: Thank you.
3: All right, well, I don't Tony, think he's going to send you a Christmas card. I,
2: I don't think I'm getting any love letters from Tony uh, 803-0930 I really blew that break it's 1127 Scott I'll come in there and, and work it out uh, when we come back Carl Calabrese will talk about the debates hopefully it'll be more entertaining than the conversation we just had with Tony more after this
3: Welcome back to Beamer and Brenda Brenda on the Sunday Buffet here on WBEN, the Hardline Show. Great to have you with us. We're here until high noon, and it's a pleasure to welcome political analyst Carol Calabrese to the show. Good morning, Carol. Thanks so much for popping in on a Sunday.
1: Good morning, Brenda. Good to hear from you guys.
3: Always a pleasure. And, Carol, a lot of historic news being made this morning with President Trump meeting Kim Jong-un in the demilitarized zone. What's your take on what the potential implications of this will be?
1: Oh, there's lots of potential implications, even beyond the the issue of uh, nuclear weapons in North Korea. There's also the issue of China. Uh, China is our biggest geopolitical threat over the next 30 years. China has a plan to become the world's superpower by 2049, which is the 100th anniversary of Mao driving Shanghai shek out of China and turning it into a communist country. And when I say the superpower, I don't mean just militarily, although it's a part of it. They wanna be the world's superpower in finance, science, technology, artificial intelligence, space. Uh, and they have a plan and they're working it. And that one of, the, one of the ways we can counter it is to have better relations with North Korea, with India, and even with Russia. Uh, because contrary to what we hear From our friends in the Democrat Party on the left, Russia is not nearly as big a threat to us going forward as China. And so it has implications for the possible denuclearization of North Korea, better relations, bringing down the tensions, and also making China a little nervous that one of the countries they thought was a solid ally may be... A little bit closer to the United States than China is comfortable with. Remember, the Chinese have always had a fear of being encircled. And if we're going to counter them, uh, that's what we have to do with Russia, with India, with, with, with Korea.
2: But, Carl, looking at North Korea, do you think it's a lost cause? I mean, the president seems to have, when they're in person, a friendly get-together with Kim Jong-un. But the last summit ended with Trump walking out. Uh, There were those rumors of the executions, which was fake news. Do you think this—how many more summits do you think we can go until we realize it's just nothing we're going to get?
1: Well, it's going to take time. I mean, remember, we have been at each other's throats since 1952. Uh, technically the war is not even over. We, it's still <laughs> on. It, we signed an armistice. So to think that we're going to solve and completely change the relationship with a couple of summits is probably unrealistic. It's going to be a slow, incremental process, a little progress here, maybe a couple of steps forward and a step back. It's just going to be that. But again, it, we, first, first and foremost is to bring down the tensions. Remember, it wasn't that long ago that both sides were talking about nuclear holocaust. Um, that seems to be put off now. Um, I don't think they're ever going to totally give up their nuclear weapons, but there's lots of things that can be done to just bring down the tensions and, again, play off North Korea against China. That's the geopolitical strategy here that we have to follow.
3: Very interesting, too, Carol, because uh, Trump said that the meeting would last about two minutes and it turned into private talks that went 50 minutes. And Trump was joined in the Freedom House, uh, obviously with Kim, but also with Ivanka Trump and Jared Kushner, both senior White House advisors, of course. Uh, wouldn't you love to be a fly on the wall in that room?
1: <laughs> you sure would. I sure would. And, uh, you know, more news will come out, and uh, we'll, we'll have to see, it, see any progress through actions. Words are one thing. Actions are another. Uh, and I, so I, I would say stay tuned. But, again, a relationship that has, that has been bad and ugly for, you know, since 1952 is beginning to change incrementally on the margins. I see that as progress. It's certainly better than having both countries talk about a nuclear holocaust.
2: Now, Carl, back at home, the political implications. How do you think Trump going, shaking hands with Kim Jong-un? Again, nothing substantial coming from this yet is going to play out in the next uh, Democrat debate.
1: Well, it is It is striking. It's, it's groundbreaking. It's kind of like uh, Nixon going to China on a, on a smaller scale. But, I mean, this was historic. You're the first president to step foot in North Korea. Um, I'm sure it will be a topic of of the next debate, but you know the next debate is not until uh, you know sometime later in July and uh lots of other things can can happen between now and then that could dominate that debate but i'm sure the, I'm sure the Democrats will have a a position on it, and it most likely it will be. Opposite of whatever Trump is saying and will find inadequate whatever Trump is doing. That's their job as an opposition party. That's what I expect.
3: You know, Carol, it's been a busy week here in the U.S. as well with the Democrat debates. Uh, what was your take on debate number one?
1: Uh, debate number one, I watched them both. Debate number one, I thought Elizabeth Warren uh, won that debate handily. Um, she is, she's is. she been rising in the polls at the expense of Bernie Sanders. Now, if you look at the numbers, if, if either... Bernie Sanders or Elizabeth Warren was out of the race, Um, the person who would survive that would probably probably be beating Biden. Uh, Biden's at about 30%, give or take a point. Um, The combined vote of Sanders and Warren is 35%. And so they're kind of splitting each other's votes now, which is to the benefit of Biden. Uh, But she certainly won it. I would expect in the next series of polling, post-debate polling, I would expect that you'll see Bernie continue to slip and Warren rise at his expense. Um, I did take a reading uh, the day after the debate of the the polling, and all of that polling was done pre-debate. And I'm going to do a check on it just before the, the next debate to see how much of an impact the debates had on the respective players. But she won the first night. The second night, no question, Kamala Harris won that one hands down absolutely the most passionate she had some of the best lines of the night and she really did draw blood from Joe Biden she she staggered him a couple of times now i will give this caveat think about this whole process of getting the nomination and these debates as a 15 round heavyweight fight each round is judged on its own by three judges on what's called a 10 point must system whoever wins the round gets 10 points the loser gets something less there's no question that if this were a boxing match all three judges would have awarded uh, Elizabeth Warren and Kamala Harris the round, the first round. But it's only the first round. Neither one of them got a knockout of the leader, but they certainly wobbled him and, stu- and, and stumbled him a bit. First round, there's 14 more to go. Anything can happen.
2: Now, looking at the other end of night one and night two, who would you say were the two biggest losers from each debate?
1: Well, I... I thought the two biggest losers
2: um,
1: were Biden and Sanders. Uh, Bernie Sanders, you know, two and a half years ago, had a certain attraction, a certain charm. <laughs> he, he was a bit idiosyncratic, but it, you, you kind of got drawn into what he was saying. He was delivering a new message. But he looked angry. He just looked angry and perturbed and irritated and uh I think I, I think his best days as a candidate are behind him.
3: I think so, too, Carol, because and I can't get past the Larry David impression of him from Saturday Night Live. every time I see Bernie Sanders, I think of that. Uh- That caricature that Larry David uh, so beautifully portrays as uh, angry Bernie Sanders. He does always seem like he's ticked off about something, even the way his body language is. He's, you know, leaning forward and pointing and seems to always be yelling. Uh, To me, he's almost become a caricature of himself. I, I think he's pretty well done. What surprised me, frankly, was how thunderstruck Joe Biden looked. He had that sort of deer in the headlights look. Uh, and Kamala Harris came after him. And when she made the statement, that little girl was me, it was wow. unbelievable, especially in, and to the director's credit, uh, the split screen was perfect.
1: It was. And, and you have to wonder, why was he not prepared for this? Yes. Uh, you know, these things have been coming up on the campaign trail. Um, he was just totally unprepared. He, he, he looked very wobbly. Wobbly is the word I keep hearing and, and reading that, that best describes his performance. Um, and, again, it's, you know, you have to you have to wonder, will he rebound? Lots of candidates have rebounded from a poor debate performance. The, uh, the first debate against Walter Mondale in 1984, Ronald Reagan looked wobbly himself, came back real strong and won the second one. So we'll see. But he certainly looked out of sort. She gave it to him that night, no question about it. Can I go back to one thing about Bernie Sanders? Please do. I think kind of puts this in perspective. Although he lost the debate— he has won the overall debate in the sense that Bernie Sanders, not going to be the nominee, has moved this party so far left in two and a half years, it's, it's unbelievable how far left the Democrats have gone. As they were going through their litany of far left out of the mainstream positions on everything from guns to abortion to health insurance to open borders to giving free health insurance to illegal aliens— I'm sitting there and I'm I'm designing in my mind the commercials that Donald Trump is going to put together for the key states of Pennsylvania, Ohio, Michigan, Wisconsin. And I'm saying, my goodness, this is a gift from from heaven for Donald Trump to have these positions. And I can see the commercials now in those key swing states. And if I was Donald Trump, I'd run against whoever the armies is. I'd run against the whole party.
3: You're so right, Carl. I can see that grainy black and white footage that they'll use <laughs> from the debate with those sound bites. Um, what about the two New Yorkers uh, in the debates, Bill de Blasio and Kirsten Gillibrand? What was your assessment of their performances? I,
1: I, I'm, I thought Bill de Blasio gave a better performance than I expected. Um, you know, made, made the debate a little livelier, and a little more combative. Again... <laughs> He is so low in the polls. Do you know he's more unpopular in New York State than Donald Trump based on the last Siena poll that was done just a couple <laughs> of ago? <laughs> That's quite a distinction. Um, Kirsten Gillibrand, uh, just a, a very, uh, uh, what's the word I'm looking for, in, in not a very memorable performance, let's put it that way. And uh, it's Nothing that would help her rise in the polls. Look, at the, the fact of the matter is, is the great majority of those candidates uh, will have suspended their campaigns sometime in the fall before Christmas for sure, for lack of money. Uh, that's what's going to drive this. And as as all of the second and third tier candidates fail to move up in the polls, they then lose contributors, and once they don't have the funds to compete, you are going to see a lot of campaigns put in suspense.
2: Carl, back to the uh, the left moving of the party. Is is the DNC totally misplaying their hand here for twenty twenty? I mean, the party going as left as they have, I thought, helped Donald Trump in 2016 in those Rust Belt states that are usually Democrats. Now in 2020, going even so much farther, as you said, raising their hands to give free health care to illegal immigrants. Are they just misreading the room?
1: Well, they're, they're misreading the American public as a whole. They're playing to their base, which is leftist progressive. This is the stuff of of a left progressive agenda. And the problem for them is for a candidate to get the nomination, you have to appeal to the base. And then you have to kind of walk back to the center at the general election. That's true of both parties. Republicans play to the right and Democrats to the left. The problem for them is they are going so far left, it may be very difficult, if not impossible, to walk it back to the center or left of center as opposed to, you know, in another in another football field, you're so far left or center. Um, so that that's their problem. Now, Biden is banking on something. By the polls, based on the polls, something like almost 65% of Democrats consider themselves moderate or conservative. About 50% say they're moderate. 13% say they're conservative. The rest, 35 36 37%, are leftist progressive. Biden is hoping that he can, being the only candidate of the middle, compared to all the rest of them, that he can win the nomination if those people come out and vote. And that's the big if. Democrat primaries tend to be driven by the base of the left, just as Republican primaries are driven by the base on the right. And so Biden is going to have to hope that he can buck history and reverse a trend of the base only coming out to vote and get those moderate to conservative Democrats out in big numbers to overcome that 35% um, that are driving the party now. The, the Democrat Party's energy is on the left progressive side. It's where their money comes from. It's from Hollywood. It's from Silicon Valley. It's from Wall Street. And that's what's it's in the media, entertainment. That's what's driving this agenda. I don't believe it represents the majority of Democrats, but it represents up till now the majority of Democrats who decide who their nominee is.
3: Carol, it looks like Tom Perez, uh, who is from Buffalo, and he's the Democratic National Committee chairman, of course, is really trying to draw a contrast between the entire field of Democrats and uh, President Trump. He was interviewed today on Fox News Sunday with Chris Wallace. And I think that Perez realizes what's happening and how poorly Biden did, but he keeps talking about looking at the totality of the vice president's record and every other candidate's record. And uh, uh, Tom Perez maintains that the party, it's the Democratic Party that's fighting to make sure everybody has the opportunity to realize the American dream. Is that the theme you think they'll continue to push, uh, especially as Biden, if he continues to stumble, if that's you know, how it'll play out? Well,
1: that, that's the theme they'd like to play, but they've got a dilemma on their hands. Um, they can't continue to play to their progressive leftist base and also appeal to moderate, middle-class Americans. They can't do it. The two agendas are diametrically opposed to each other. Uh, and so that, that's, that's their dilemma right now. Uh, and, again, the energy of the party comes from the left progressive base. That's where the money comes from and all of the other energy that, that drives a party. And so they can say all they want how they're going to appeal to middle America. But let me tell you, with the positions I saw taken the other night and that I continue to read and hear about from the Democratic Party, it is going very, very extreme left. And that is going to be a tough sell in Pennsylvania, Ohio, Michigan, Wisconsin, Minnesota, uh, North Carolina. tough tough sell.
3: Just a couple minutes left, Carl. I wanted to get your view on how you think Cory Booker and Julian Castro did. I thought they came out pretty strong. And also, I thought how poorly Beto O'Rourke performed. He too, I thought, looked like he wasn't prepared at all.
1: Beto O'Rourke, Robert Francis O'Rourke, which is his real name, is a empty suit creation of the media. Um, It's amazing. I, I have to wonder how bad the campaign of ted cruz was to allow that guy to get even (laughs) close. the more exposure exposure he has the more empty the suit looks and you saw it the other night and i don't expect any change cory booker is cory booker he'll give a couple of good lines Uh, castro was was a surprise and i could see castro on a democrat ticket as vice president that that would not be out of the realm of possibility um, so yeah, he uh, he had a good night for a, a person who came in at relatively low ID, name ID, and a lot of unknown factor. He filled in the blanks pretty well for himself. He he had a very good debate in terms of what he had to do, uh, and what he had to accomplish. He, he he did those things.
3: And Pete Buttigieg had a pretty rough week with uh, things that were happening in South Bend, where he's the mayor. And yet, I thought he sounded very poised. Uh, composed, articulate. Uh, I think the guy certainly has a future, although I don't think he's ready to be president.
1: No, someone, a very prominent Democrat said to me, and voiced everything you just said, Under that he is very composed. He's, He's a brilliant man. I mean, the guy speaks like seven languages. He's a Rhodes Scholar. Absolutely brilliant. And a veteran. And a veteran, yes. But this Democrat said to me, at the end of the night, he looked like a small town mayor. I had a few moments and you'll continue to see those, but uh, there's certainly a future for him. And there's a lot to be said for, you know, jumping in and getting known and establishing your credentials for future races. But um, I, I think that, I think that aura that, that initially was, was portrayed about him and how much attention he got is going to be coming down a bit, but yeah, watch for him in the future. Uh, I, I, I see things for him again. um, He is, he's, People like to portray him as a moderate, but he's not. He's as leftist as all of them, but he has a skill of taking a very extreme position and making it sound moderate. It's very easy to listen to them. Uh, But uh, I'd watch him in the future. I don't think he's going to prevail in this uh, cycle.
2: Carl, as my favorite detective says, one more thing, and I'm really (laughs) just curious here. How does someone whose name is Robert Francis O'Rourke show up on a ballot as Beto?
1: Uh, That's a good question. It's probably uh, something to do with Texas law that none of us know anything about, but gives him the option to do that.
3: (laughs) I think it had something to do with the Spanish version, Roberto, and then they just call him Berto and Beto. I read something about that a while ago, but yeah, it does seem like he needs to buy a vowel or something. Carol, we are out of time, and we certainly appreciate you coming on with us this morning. Always great insight from Carol Calabrese. Thanks very much.
2: Good talking with you. Thank you, Carl. That was Carl Calabrese. I'm Joe Beamer. She's Brenda Alessi. Alessi. Uh, darn it. Alessi. <laughs> I ended on a bad note. Uh, hopefully, we'll talk to you soon. It is Hardline. Coming up next, Chuck Todd and Meet the Press. He has one of the one of the presidential (laughs) candidates on, and a Republican senator. So stay tuned for that. And then the best of Rush, Susan and Brian will be here to kick off your day tomorrow at 5 a.m. Buffalo, it's been great. Brenda, it's been great. Always
3: a pleasure, Beam. Hey, we'll see you guys later. Thanks, everybody.